All right, y'all. So I just got off with Scott Saulwazer. I hope I pronounced that right, Coach. I know this is uh, this is after we recorded everything, so I just want to do a brief synopsis over the episode before people get into it. Um, but had a fantastic conversation with uh, Coach Scott here. Um, we talked about pretty much everything that you can think of in the high school realm, uh, his road from college to high school. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about his life, his personal life. Uh, we got to talk about buy-in from the high school athletes and high school coaches, how basically, you know, we can win over our assistant coaches and then eventually to our head coaches and then eventually to our athletes, right? So if we can buy in, get buy-in from all of our coaching staff, you know, making, having our athletes buy in, make things a lot easier. Um, talking about some um, differences between the college life, how demanding it is, and um, what the differences are between high school and college. Uh, we got to talk about some other aspects. We got to talk about conjugate training, right? That's what everyone comes on this podcast for us for conjugate training. So we got talked about that a lot, his uh, football layout and how he approaches other sports using the conjugate method. Um, it was a really great episode from Coach Scott here. Um, uh, I have a best up on this high school. It's Bishop Lynch, not Bishop Sycamore. I know Bishop Sycamore is the, um, what do you call it, the, the scandal that happened uh, a few years ago. But, yeah, fantastic episode, fantastic coach. Um, really... Really brought the heat for this episode, and I'm really excited for all of you to um, experience this episode and experience uh, Coach Scott as well. A couple of things before we get going off of here. Uh, Definitely want to talk about our new sponsor, which is the Working Dog Coffee. Okay, This is from Brennan Sweeney down in uh, North Carolina. Uh, has a coffee has, has a coffee um, company down there, and um, something about that company is is that you know there's so many people I know that mindlessly consume coffee through disturbing products on the market, and the solution we have is offering an organic coffee that doesn't have any of the nasty side effects. As a poorly regulated energy drink. The products, the only products you'll need on the label are 100% organic coffee with organic flavoring. Our two flavors, which is the mouth and the burner, are a great mix of a high caffeine product and a classic Com- Colombian favorite blend for coffee drinkers. You can use the code CHATS for 15% off. And every bag you buy will help support working dogs charities around the country. Again, that is code CHATS for the coffee. Now, also, we have to talk about the other sponsor of this podcast. What's the other sponsor for this podcast? You can believe it. It is Team Builder. So let's talk about Team Builder. Team Builder is the software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides coaches with an elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team builder full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 
16 plus reports, evaluation setting, and goal setting, to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with team builders and house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. Enjoy this episode of the Conjugate Chats. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Um, first of all, I want to thank everyone for uh, listening last season, uh, for season three. Um, I mean, we had a lot of great people come on and great give great uh, knowledge and expertise in the field of strength conditioning. Um, just to let y'all update about a couple of different things. Season four is a little bit different. Um, the conversations that I might have with some guests are a little bit different. Um, meaning that, you know, sometimes we go down our deep, you know, rabbit holes of strength and conditioning, but we also will talk about life in general and other aspects, um, maybe a little bit outside of the strength and conditioning world. Um, and I don't have preset questions that, uh, anymore for our guests, you know, it's going to be just natural flowing conversations that I have with, uh, all of our guests on here. And, uh, I'm looking forward to a lot of these conversations, uh, for season four. Um, I'm also in the new home as well, so I'm in a new studio, which is the kitchen in uh, me and my wife's new house. So if anyone watches the video, which I don't think I'll do anything with this video, be mostly just audio, um, you'll see I'm in the kitchen and I got a mantle behind me with like stockings and stuff because it's around Christmas time. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this episode here. Um, I got Mr. Scott, and I want to pronounce your last name so bad, Sawazer. Okay, I was close. I was pretty. Yeah, I was close. <laughs> um, you know, he's been in the college realm, and currently you're at I want to say Bishop Sycamore High School. I know that's not right. That's the that's the yeah. team that got the whole frauds. Is it Bishop? Yeah. It's Bishop. Yeah. Bishop Lynch High School. That's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. I, I was want to say Sycamore. I'm like, no, that's not. I know that's definitely not right. <laughs> Well, I'm going to let uh, Coach Scott introduce himself, give a little background about himself, and uh, we can get this thing going. Sounds good. Uh, I'm Scott Salwasser, as Coach mentioned. I'm the uh, Director of Athletic Performance here at uh, Bishop Lynch High School in Dallas, Texas. Um, just a little bit of background on me. I'm originally from California, um, grew up, played, uh, went to Bishop O'Dowd High School in Oakland, California. Is very similar to where I'm at now, which is a big reason why I feel so at home. But played uh, baseball, football, and rugby. Uh, went to UC Davis uh, out there in California, played football there. Um, from there, really realized that because at the time I, I wanted to be a sports writer, uh, believe it or not. That was back when they still had like printed papers and everything. I grew up reading and uh, magazines and whatnot. I wanted to be a sports writer, but Preparing for college football made me realize uh, that that was my true love. 
So from there, I kind of diverted course. Um, I ended up getting a master's degree in kinesiology from Sacramento State. I uh, was a graduate assistant strength coach there. That was my first full-time assistant spot. Um, also at Sacramento State University. And then, man, from there, I went on a wild ride, uh, as, as we do in this profession. Uh, there, uh, University of Louisiana, Raging Cajuns for a couple years. Back to California at uh, Sparta Performance Science, which, which was really cool because we were on the front end of a lot of the force plate stuff that uh, is so popular now, and there's a multitude of companies doing it. And, but back then, we were, we were kind of uh, lone wolves in that respect. So got some good experience there. From there, I uh, went to Cal for uh, a good number of years working with the football program there. Cal to Texas Tech. Uh, for a number of years, Texas Tech, Texas State, Texas State, the University of South Carolina, University of South Carolina to Washington State University um, at Washington State University. Um, so after Texas Tech, unfortunately, uh, my wife and I went our separate ways and I have two uh, beautiful daughters that were living with her in the Dallas area. And I was at Washington State and I had been away from them, but for three different stops at that point. And, uh, you know, like, like you said, we, we talk about life on this podcast, right? So that was where I had to decide, like, okay, I can continue to be, uh, bounce around the country, you know, or I can get out and go be a dad and be present in their lives. And I could come down here and, and, and try to work college or NFL, but then what happens in three years when... I'm looking for a job again, and now I have to leave again. So I said, I'm going to find a high school job that I can really build and that will allow me um, security and stability. And then I'm, I'm going to raise them because they're still young enough, you know, to where I can have a big impact on them. Uh, my oldest is 10. Um, my youngest daughter is seven. So I moved down here um, to Dallas about two, a little over two years ago. Um, took my current role at Bishop Lynch High School, which is, again, very similar to the high school I went to. Um, now I get to be a part of my daughter's lives, go to their practices, go to their games, all that. Um, now I'm actually now remarried. I have two stepsons also, um, six and four, and then uh, a baby that is six months old as well. So um, a million kids. Um, in addition to the other, pe other people's kids that I work with on a daily basis. But uh, anyway, long story short, that's my background. That, that's why I'm here. And, uh, let's go. Awesome, Coach. Um, one of the questions that I have on my little Google Doc here, because I try to type in some questions and stuff that, I, you know, so I don't forget. One of them was why college to high school and I guess that part of, you know, your kids are, um, you know, a major part of that, you know. Um, I don't have any myself, you know, me and my wife are fairly young, recently married, and, you know, that's one thing I always think about is, like, why don't I just go on to college or something like that? And it's like, well, what, what if I want a family? And I know that college life is, is, uh, is demanding on an individual um, that has a family at home that, you know, has wife, kids, husband, whoever. Um, and I, I, I think some people just don't realize that. 
about the college yeah. sector, about how demanding it actually is. I think, you know, I mean, obviously the schedule is demanding, but you kind of you kind of know what you're signing up for. Right. Like you um, your wife typically gets that the kids get that because there's perks to it. They get to go to the game and feel cool and stuff. So like that piece is, is there. But to me, the challenging part is the reality, the profession of bouncing around the country. Right. Like um, because at that level, you're you're tied to the football coach, you know, and he goes, you go most of the time and uh, unfortunately that means that you're gonna up and move and they may have friends in the old and this is you know i mean coaches all over the country live this i'm i'm not unique in that respect you know um i, I guess just i'm a little different in the sense that i just felt that it was time to you know my my kids love me unconditionally right and um, I've worked with a lot of good coaches, good people, but I mean, let's be honest, they don't love you un unconditionally, right? Like you're a means to an end for them in helping them accomplish their goals along with your goals. And I said, now it's time to take care of the people that are going to love me unconditionally, you know? So, um, and I'm, I'm happy, like I made this decision. I, I'm happy with it. It is what it is, you know, and, and I'm not going to say I don't miss college at times but you know what like i'm 10 toes down right here and and happy with what i'm doing and got to you know like i said the big thing for me is getting to see my kids practices their games you know like literally one of you know i've i've been coaching since 2003 um and spent 10 years at the power five level and one of the highlights of my entire career this year was watching my daughter uh, play flag football at AT&T Stadium, home of the Cowboys. Like, like literally, I mean, I've been, you name the stadium, you, you, I could give you a list of the players that I've coached, but like, literally I ranked that up right with any, any memory, you know, she's, she's playing flag football in the home of the Dallas Cowboys down on the field. She ended up uh, catching the game winner uh, and you know, like I still have the wristband, like I get chills thinking about it. So like, you know, it's, it's, you're not, I, the phrase that I, I tell people around here, you know, both in regards to like my family, but also the kids that we coach at the high school level is like, you want to be famous, go to Hollywood. You know, like, this is not about ego. This is not about me taking credit for things. This is not about my name. This is, we're here for the kids. And it sounds cheesy, but literally, like, why else would you be here? You know what I mean? So, anyway, that kind of diverted. But, yeah, man, that's, that's, long story short, and that's why I'm here. And having moments like that, seeing your daughter play at at t Stadium, I mean, that's I mean, that's a lifetime memory, not only for her, but for you as well as a dad. I mean, that that's incredible. Um, let, me, let me switch gears for a little bit. I know that some – coaches kind of rag on the the college lifestyle of being so demanding what are some like advantages that you experience being at the power five level and being that college and you know in that college sector i mean obviously uh compensation wise you know the higher you go typically the better the pay is um and better those types of things it's concentrated at the top right typically now what are the other advantages you know in terms of ability to carry out your job you have every resource 
that you could think of, right? Like there's no, you want a piece of equipment, you typically have that piece of equipment. You, you, anything you could think of that you honestly need to accomplish your job, you're capable of getting. Um, at the high school level, not so much, right? Like I've got a, a fixed budget and, uh, you know, I can raise money if I think I need more than that. Um, but it's a little bit more MacGyvering things, you know, and, and I honestly, I've got, uh, and which I'm sure we'll get into at some point, I've got more probably toys here than, than a lot of places, but, uh, but yeah, it's nowhere, it's not even a comparison, you know, and space, right? Multiple fields, multiple, you know, enormous weight rooms. Now here in Texas, there's actually a lot of weight rooms that would rival Power 5 College, you know, you see some of them on the internet and stuff. Mine is not one of those, by the way, uh, space-wise, but we get it done, and uh, there's a lot of support here. But yeah, man, the perks of, of the higher levels, obviously compensation uh, and, you know, the ability to carry out your job, really no excuses, and, you know, you get to you, you get to stand on sidelines and be in stadiums and coach against teams and four teams that you grew up watching on TV, right? Like I grew up in California, a USC fan, and here I am coaching on the sideline in the LA Coliseum. How cool is that, right? But uh, anyway, yeah. So. When I was in college, I always thought about that college life, about being going to be the GA and intern at you know higher level colleges like that. Never went on to do that anyways. I, I just went straight into the high school realm. Anyways, um, I always thought about what life on Saturdays would be like, you know, for these big Power 5 schools, even on, like, at small D3, D2 schools. Like, Saturdays are for college football, and I, I can't imagine what it's like for a strength coach to be in that, I guess, environment, you know, yeah. for 10 years. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I mean, especially, you know, I played college football at the D2 level. So, you know, the biggest crowd I think I ever played in front of in college was our rivalry game called the Causeway Classic, like 20,000 people or so. And that, that felt like, dude, when I ran out onto the field, that, that could have been, you know, Ohio State to me. Like, that was a huge crowd, man. And that felt like big-time college football, you know. And that's the level that I played at. Obviously, I coached at a higher level. Yeah, man, it's fun. But like anything, you know, it becomes – you never lose that joy. You never lose that excitement. But, but you know, it's your job, too. So it's a long day. You know, there's a lot of tasks and duties and stuff that you have to carry out. And then, of course, if you lose, there's nothing worse than losing a night road game. Right, because now you gotta pack up all your crap. Everyone's hurt, or everyone's like, uh, you know, sad because you lost. And now you gotta get on a plane and fly however many hours, get back at like three a.m. and you lost. Now you win, nothing matters, right? Winning a road game, greatest thing in the world. Losing, yeah, no thing. I was about to ask you what life on the road was like. You know, at home it's great when you're, you know, you're uh, living not too far from you know, um, campus, whatever, but what if you aren't on the road in a night game and, you know, you are going, like, over, I guess, like, if you were for uh, working for the Mizzou and you, you were playing, like, across the country, like, what does that look like? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you you typically, you know, you you fly in on Friday typically, and you get to the hotel, and you'll meet and have your um, Friday night meal and all that. And Friday night's pretty chill. And then Saturday, honestly, you usually wake up and do some type of movement, some type of dynamic mobility. There'll be more meetings, more meals. Honestly, like I'd rather just wake up and play. You know, and I know a lot of people probably feel that way too, like sitting around the hotel, just getting tight, like more, more worked up, more like butterflies, man, might as well just get up, let's do the dang thing, you know? Absolutely. Um, I want to circle back to this quote that he said here, he said that this field is more for, it's not for our own personal credit, it's more for the individuals, the, the kids, the athletes. Uh, I mean, you nailed down the head because, um, you know, th- I always say that this is a selfless, is a servant field that you are serving athletes, you're serving coaches now. And there's always that first instinct. And I, I was the same way when I first got into strength and conditioning that, you know, I wanted this to be my program and my strength, cur- you know, curriculum, whatever. And, you know, if you're in it for about a couple of years, you kind of realize this is not about me. This is not about my self gain in this field, you know, this is, you know, I don't know who I'm trying to fool. I'm only fooling myself at this point. Um, and I mean, it'll take a couple of years and some humbling to, to kind of get that to that point. And some, you know, people may go there a little bit quicker than others, but personally, I, I mean, I've, I've felt in that trap of this is my program. I'm going to run it my way. And, you know, um, yeah, you nailed on the head with, you know, this is not for our own credit, our own self credit. It's for our, our athletes. I think, too, like, the the more you have mastery of your program and are able to explain it and sell it, I think the more people are likely to let you do, as you said, your program, you know? Like, if right away somebody somebody asks you a question or somebody, you know, critiques one thing and, and you're, you know, you get in their face and get nose-to-nose with them, right? Like, that's, that's, that's not the solution, you know? And... And look, I, I may, I've been in this long enough. Now I'm, I've gotten wise in my old age, but don't get me wrong. When I was, you know, 26, I'd have been the first one to wait, what'd you say? You know, and, but as you get older, you get patient and, and being a parent has helped me with this too, you know, being more patient and thinking about something and being like, okay, well, you know, coach or administrator, or even at our level, parent. That's something that I've never had to deal with before. You, you know, you meet the parents in college on the recruiting visit and, and you see them here and there and that's it. And in high school, you know, they're pretty involved, maybe more involved than they need to be. But like, hey, you know, I can explain to you everything that I'm doing, you know, if you'd like to discuss that. And that usually, honestly, like brings them around, right? Because you're the expert. They're not the expert, right? They may think they are, but when you have that conversation with them, they quickly realize they're not, all right? Oh, you're wondering why I don't do X, Y, Z. Well, let me, let me tell you, I don't do X, Y, Z because whatever your reasoning is, you know, and if you have solid reasoning, which you should, because again, you're the expert, they're not, man, that usually staves that off with coaches, with administrators. You know, and if you don't have an explanation, then maybe they're right, you know, but why are you doing this exercise? 
man, <laughs> I don't know. Shoot, probably shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Then. Absolutely, and you kind of got me thinking as well because I've been in the high school realm probably, this is my fourth year, uh, me and the high school teacher, and uh, I think second, third year being the strength coach. Anywho, um, I've gotten friend requests from parents the last like two or three years because they just want to be involved in their uh, kids, either their training or they want to know who I am or, you know, because they're going to go back to the parents and say, well, look, we got a new coach. He's doing the weights and everything. And, you know, and they're probably wondering, what are y'all doing there? And, you know, a high school kid probably can't explain what they're doing like we can. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, some of them can't, uh, they can't read a clock, which blows my mind. But, you know, the traditional clock, the, yeah. yeah. Some can read that, which still blows my mind, but, you know, um, but, you know, that's kind of a double-edged sword as well, because, you know, parents want to be involved, and like you said, sometimes they are a little too involved at times, really getting to, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, what we do, but that's also, like, a sense of community as well, like, you're building a community, you're building relations with not only the athletes, but their parents as well. You, you know, if they dive in that deep and you are able to win them over, now talk about someone who's bought in, right? Like the, the, the parents or the athletes that just sit on the fringes, right? They're not really bought in. You know what? They're not, they're not a pain in your butt, but they don't really contribute to anything either, man. They're just, they're just kind of on the outskirts, right? But the parents that, that do maybe take the time to challenge you, you win them over. Man, now now you got an ally, right? Now you're now you're bought in. So I mean, and that's the biggest thing, man. Just acquiring buy-in from everybody, you know. And this is a little bit off on a tangent, but I watch Hard Knocks, uh, and the new ep- new season is the Miami Dolphins. And uh, one of the last episode, one of their coaches shared a quote from Chuck Knoll. Um, that I spent a, a good bit of time with my football team talking about yesterday. And it kind of goes off of what we're talking about buy-in. It was um, the uh, mercenaries will defeat the draftees, but the volunteers will crush them both, right? And I think where our football program at is here, that's, that's like right where we are. It's like, which, which camp are you in, right? And again, this is off on a tangent, but like this, this is about buying. This is about a bit like to me, this is the crux of high school, especially football, but really any sport. Right. The, the, the draftee in our world is my dad made me play. My buddies are playing. So I guess I'm going to play. I don't really want to be here, but I'm here. So I guess we have to lift weights. Huh? Not invested in the first time something goes sideways or stuff gets hard, that's the first one to quit, right? And the next one's the mercenary. They're more invested than, uh, uh, than the draftee because they want to, they at least want to be there, but they want to be there for some type of external motivation, right? whether it's uh, accolades, whether it be to be, you know, big man on campus, whether it be the girls, the gear, you know, and there, there are some noble external motivators like a scholarship or something like that. We're all mercenaries to some extent, right? Like I get a paycheck. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not as motivating as the volunteer is the dude that I love football. I love the grind. I want to get out there and compete. Like I enjoy this. You're going to be able to push that person further, and that's going to be the dude that's going to last 
through the adversity, you know, and it it's like, and obviously that quote alludes to the military, but it's just like the military. Like I've always said, I think that, it, you know, when I was younger, I think physically, physically I could have handled um, selection, but was that my passion? Like, do I love it enough? Like, is that my life goal? No. And there's going to come a point where the physicality isn't enough. Like, you're going to decide, do I love this? Do I have to have this? And if the answer is no, you're going to ring the bell, right? And if the answer is yes, congrats, kudos to you, man. And so that's what we're trying to cultivate here. Enough people that can, can answer that, that question with yes, man. Like, this, is, this means a lot to me. It's important. Because these days, man, it's cool to things to not be important it's cool to kind of float through and uh if i if i fail I, I didn't really i wasn't that into it anyway you know to to really invest means to risk getting really hurt you know and i think that that's, that's what you got to go there to really be successful and i the way on a tangent i don't even remember what how did we got started but anyway so yeah I love that analogy. I really do. That that I I have never heard that quote before. I need. I, I still need. Yeah. I still I need either. to watch. Uh, I still need to watch Hard Knocks. Yeah, I hadn't either. I really stuck with. It. But I guess kind of tangent off on that, talking about like a buy-in as well. I really do think it starts with your coaches, and then it trickles down with your athletes. Um, I remember. I think a year ago. I've heard someone say that you need to buy in with your assistant coaches first before the head coach. And then from there, everything kind of starts falling into place because your assistant coaches um, will have your back if you need XYZ done in the weight room, XYZ done on the field. And then as a collective whole, you start to get that buy in from the head coach. And if you don't have any buy in from any of the coaches, it's going to be really, really difficult to do anything with your athletes because you can't rely on any of your. Uh, sport coaches. No, and that's that that's at any level, right? Like if it's not important to the coach, it's not gonna be important to the players because at the end of the day, you know, in, in high school some some strength coaches also coach a position or coach a sport. Um, I don't happen to, but like I don't decide who plays, right? Like I don't control playing time. So like if it's not important to the coach, it's not gonna be important to the players. I can't bench you. I can't not throw the ball to you, you know, so, at, you know, at the end of the day, it kind of falls through the cracks, you know, but I think, I think you hit it on the head. It's about investment, like, you know, and, and obviously football, the big thing is always like, oh, football, especially in strength and conditioning, football this, football that, football gets, every, you know, everything they want. And I say, and what I tell people here is, look, because we got, like, we're the biggest co-ed private school in Texas, so we got Tons of athletes, male, female, all sports, right? But what I what I tell anyone that might come to me with that type of mentality, I say, football invests the most. Football gives me as much time with their team in one week as most of y'all do in one month. That's investment. So of course they're gonna get. Not I shouldn't say the better of anything because you're always trying to do the best right but they're going to get priority because they've invested you know they've invested four times as much time uh as you guys have they've 
given me that, so I'm, I'm going to give back, right? Invest in me. I'm going to invest in you. If you want, you know, two sessions a week for a half hour, I'm going to give you the best two set, two half hour sessions of, of your life, right? But the results are not going to look the same. They're just not. I'm going to be honest. Like, they're not, you're not going to get what football got in that amount of time. It just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, physical impossibility you know so that's yes the buy-in and and like the different love languages right time is one of the love languages so you give me that much time i better get results right and then less and less time i'm not going to make excuses i'm still going to do the best i can but i'm going to cross my fingers because i know that you know the, the less time the le that we get i'm going to look the same Absolutely. Um, right now, we're I'm working with our softball and our volleyball girls, you know, trying to prepare them for their upcoming seasons and this spring and uh, next fall. And I mean, me, our, me and our head coach for those because she's she coaches both volleyball and softball, so she has both teams. And I talked to her, said, "Look, if you give me three days a week, thirty minutes, you know, I can give you the best that I could possibly give you." And, I mean, we went in there for three days a week, about 40 minutes roughly. You know, we do everything. We do sprints, tenure flies, the, you know, the whole nine yards and everything. And, um, you know, we just retested. I think we were, like, on a six-week cycle, just retested right before school got out, whatever. She wanted to look at what, what progress we made and stuff like that. And, um, you know, she told me, it's like, I can't believe how stronger these girls are. And it's like, yeah. Because you're putting in, because you're in the weight room with me every single day. You're, you know, your sister coaches are in there every single day with me. You know, it's not me versus 30 girls. It's me, you, and assistant coach all investing into what they're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish here. You know, that's the result of that. And I've seen teams that, you know, want two days a week, one day a week for like 20 minutes. I mean, you're going to get something, but yeah. you're not going to get the full benefit. No. Like, football does like yeah. these other teams yeah. do yeah. and there's a difference between a championship team and not a championship team like there's right. there's a huge difference between people that win state win championships win tournaments and right. teams that are first round knockouts right well then you know and in the usually they usually want to spend more time on the field or more time in the film or whatever and there's a place for that but at the same time can you can you honestly tell me that stronger, faster, more explosive athletes would not help whatever your, you know, whatever your tactical stuff is? Tell me that they wouldn't be able to carry those things out better if they Being were more robust, more robust, more explosive. Of course they would, you know. So, I mean, that's that's where and that's where I think, you know. Even if it's it, it easy, it's not hard to share what we do with the tactical technical stuff man it's, it's it's like a continuum right like in my opinion uh when you're just out of your season and i get so here here's the elephant in the room right like some of these sports you got club teams and all of that i mean that's that's where right it, it gets crazy and, and yes you have to account for that but strictly speaking in terms of the high school calendar you finish your season 
you're not starting another high school season for nine months or eight months or whatever, that should be 100% strength and conditioning, 100%. You don't need to touch the ball at that point, in my opinion, at all, or barely at all, you know? And then you do that for a while, a good block of training. All right, now maybe it's 75-25, whatever, you know? And then maybe you get to the preseason, and now we're a month or two out, maybe it's 50-50. You know, like I, I realize at some point they need to practice, but, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of coaches love to practice just to just to check the box nine months away from their season. And then it's like, man, one more day in the weight room could change these kids. And instead we're playing, you know, pin the tail on the donkey or something in, in practice. And it's like, dude, just send them, send them down here, you know, so and that's that's where. Like I said, investment and football, every second that football has available, uh, when we come back in January, they'll be with me. And then that won't change for a good chunk of time. And then eventually, you know, they start to do run routes and all that, you know, catch the catch balls, do positional drills. Man. But initially it's just me. And obviously we're we're not just in the weight room, you know, we're we're out on the field moving as well. Um, but it's a hundred percent performance and then gradually shifts more and more towards the sport. And that's not rocket science. You know, that just, to me, that's just common sense, right? Like you build the foundation of the house to use an old cliche, build the foundation. And then we can start worrying about, um, you know, all the different decorations and stuff down the road. But that's just the way I feel about things. And I know football coaches kind of get a bad rep as well because, you know, they just want to bust out a bunch of weight and stuff like that. Football coaches actually understand periodization a lot better than some other coaches do, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I've, I've been around football long enough. I coached it for about five years before being in my role right now where, you know, I, I don't have to coach the sport. But, um, you know, football coaches always get this rep of, well, we just got a bunch out, you know, bench a bunch of weight, squat a bunch of they understand periodization a lot better than what we realize. Yeah. You know, when we get to about March and April, you know, that's kind of spring ball. You know, we maybe come from four to three days a week. We're still doing speed and agility training. When summer hits, you know, we're going from maybe three, maybe two in July, like late July, going to actual end season. Because priority is ball. Ball is priority at that point. And, you know, you know, I get it sometimes football coaches do whatever they they feel is right at that time, but they understand a lot more than what yeah. we give them credit for. And so and do most coaches. Luxury. Yeah, and you have the luxury, you know, if you if you if you really invested in training early on, you have the luxury of going to like two days in the weight room or, or three days in the weight room because you built that foundation. You know, if you spend two days in the weight room year round Right. You, you never you didn't you never trained. You never dug the ditch. Right. You just stayed surface level. And uh, so but, you know, I mean, and, and for a lot of coaches, it's just checking the box. Right. Oh, yeah, we lift. We, you know, we oh, yeah, we 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 use the weight room. Really? Like how often? So, do you lift or do you train? Yeah, exactly. that's, a, that's yeah. a big difference yeah. in mentality. Do you train or do you lift? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lift is like check the box. It's, 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 it's you know the the analogy that I've heard that I like, and it was actually our our AD used it. Uh, she was like at our uh, department meeting. She's like, 
and she does a great job supporting me, you know, in, in, in our, our quest here, but she was like, they're not hairdressers, you know? And I was like, perfect analogy, right? Cause, cause you know, or, or a barber, right? Like, what do you, you, you only call them up like here and there and you call them up when you need something, you go in, you get your hair cut and then you leave. Hey, I'll see you again in six weeks or whatever it is. Right. Like they're not hairdressers. Like I was like, amen. Like, you know, don't, don't only try to come in on days that you don't feel like coaching or it's raining outside and you got nowhere else to take them. You know, like we got to, we plan here. It's not just stuff like that's, if I could say anything that drives me crazy is when I see a coach just doing stuff thing, right? Like, no, man, there's the plan and I'm not, you know, you might come to one of my training sessions and it might look like we're doing things, but I guarantee you like there, I've thought about it and we're doing this because, you know, and it came and we're doing this now because we did this last week or the week before. And we're doing this now because next week I want to do this, right? And, and the whole name of the podcast, Conjugate Linking, right? Like we're doing different things, but it's woven into the fabric of where we came from and where we want to go. Exactly. And speaking of Conjugate and training, uh, talk to us about your training session. What If I walk in your room tomorrow, what would that look like for the layout, the structure, uh, everything else in between. Yeah, yeah. So we, here's where, and I would say that um, the beauty of the conjugate system, as, as most people know it, and let's be honest, most people know it from West Side, and, and that's not to say that, like, like I've heard, right, conjugate, West Side is conjugate, but conjugate isn't West Side. Um, but people, pe that's how people, that's where people know it from. And that's fine. And that's pretty similar to what we're going to do. We're going to have two heavy days and two more dynamic explosive days. And I, and I'll kind of talk you through the beauty of that system as it pertains to high school athletes. Cause a lot of people say like, oh, it's advanced, you know, you're going to, they, they don't need this or that, but here's, here's where it fits high school. And I've been waiting actually a long time to talk about this on air because I've done other podcasts, but it's usually uh, I'm usually there to talk about how to get your 40 faster or something like that. We could talk about that, too. But I've been waiting a long time to talk about this. So in high school, one of the first things that I found was traditional percentage based training. And, and we use, don't get me wrong, like we use percentages. We, we use it as more of a guideline because what I realized right away is it's so fluid with this age group, these kids, right? Like in college, if you say 80%, all right, I want you to back squat 80%. Everybody in the room is going to get within a rep or two of each other, right? You might do four reps. I might be able to get five. This guy might over here might only be able to do but we're all in the same ballpark right in high school not even close man like and and number one it has to do obviously how how did you gather your quote-unquote maxes and that's that's another conversation but let's assume that your maxes are accurate and even still your percentages are going to be all over the map because it's going to be too light for this kid too heavy for this kid 
um, so forth and so on. And that's assuming um, accurate, well-gathered axes. So on our heavy days, that's, that's why I love, and I'm going to call it max effort just for lack of a, a, a better term, but that scares a lot of people out away because, oh my God, you're, you're maxing? They're maxing? No, it just means that, it just means that instead of telling them, okay, you're going to do 80% for this many reps, I'm saying you're going to do this many reps. And as long as the technique is good, and it looks good it's executed at the standard that we've set forth and obviously you have to teach them and set forth standards and let them know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable you can keep adding weight and if you end up at what would be considered 90 percent, cool great like awesome man you're getting stronger like i don't cap them i cap them by quality um not by an arbitrary percentage so that's quote unquote Max effort, right? If we're doing three or we're doing five, I'll give them a, a, a certain number of sets. I'll prescribe the volume. And if it's a heavy day and we're doing five sets of five or whatever, keep adding weight, man. Like if it looks good and you're hitting it, bump it up, man. Let's see what you can hit. And if on, on that last set, you hit five at what would have been called 90%, congrats, man. Cool. Like, you're, you're getting stronger. I guess that's not 90% anymore, is it? Uh, that's the heavy day. So that would be one for upper and one for lower. Now, I will say we also have the advantage, which, like I said, I do have some toys. Uh, I, I, I have Tendo units here. So, you know, the kids, all the kids in, the, in their head, all they know is I just want to see a higher number <laughs> on there, right? But I go around and I know I can look and be like, okay, this that's that's about as heavy as I want this kid to go right now. The technique looks good, but the, the, the you know any more weight and that bar is going to move slower than I would like, or based off of what the goal is, etc. So that's our heavy day, and then the the dynamic day. You know, a lot of people. Like I said, for lack of a better term, I'll say dynamic effort. A lot of people, oh, well, the uh, high school kids don't need that or whatever. But this is what it is. It, it, that's your technique day. That's your volume day. It's sub-max, right? And like I said, I have uh, uh, – this is the day where I will prescribe percentages. Uh, but, again, the percentages, it's, it's loose, right? I, really what I'm looking for is a certain velocity. So as long as it's in that velocity range, which is going to be faster because it's going to be lighter, um, it's going to be shorter rest periods, and it's going to be perfect technique. And so what, what high school kid, you know, whether you want to obsess about rate of force development or this or that, what high school kid can't benefit from doing eight, ten set of perfectly executed, crisp, fast rep on a specific lift? fantastic right and then they get their size from the auxiliaries you know and that's that's the day where where we'll do some amrap set on on safe exercises you know we'll do some amrap set we'll do higher reps you know um and i usually too i usually use rep ranges rather than exact reps just because like most high school coaches i don't have five sets of dumbbells in every at every weight, 
right? Like I've got one set of hundreds, you know, like so you can't whatever we get as close as you can get to what you need in your hands. And we're going to do eight, 12, right? So like if, if, if I really should have hundreds, but they're taken and I ended up with nineties, do 12, you know, and if I got the hundreds or maybe they're taken, shoot, I ended up with one fives. Maybe I'll try to grind, grind and do eight, you know, but that rep range allows for the realities of the room, which is everyone's not going to have the perfect weight um, for what they're trying to do. So great. Do the higher end. If you, all you got is a lighter weight, and and that's obviously I'm talking about auxiliaries there. So that's that's going to be our four lift days. Um, on top of that, outside movement wise, uh, early off season will really. Uh, I'll say this initially when I got to high school, because in college I always did like a split session. So like we'd go out run for 45 minutes to an hour, come in lift. For 45 minutes to an hour so i tried to squeeze that down into the time i have here which is like an hour and 20 minutes an hour and a half and all i found was that either the quality suffered because i was rushing you know or i was cutting things out left and right because we didn't have time to do everything i thought we needed to do so, so I, I last off season i got to where uh we're either running that day um or we're lifting that day and we can spend an hour and 30 minutes and i can we can do prehab work we can warm up real good we can have a quality hour plus long session and and we're not rushing and then when we go outside and run on those days we do that there too and uh you know i, I go short to long so early off season you know we're pulling heavy sleds we're sprinting short distances we're working on acceleration technique we're broad jumping things like that and then over time um over time as we get closer right around spring break we'll add a second day um where we'll start doing longer sprints more top speed type stuff as we get ready for spring ball um we really don't condition as is traditionally understood to be conditioning work until the summer. Um, and that's because I've, number one, we're closer to the season at that point. So I know that they need to have a certain level of specific capacity relative to their sport, but also I have, I have more time, right? I have more time um, at that point. So we'll, we'll add conditioning in, in the summer, but um, that's pretty much what it looks like, you know, in a typical five day week for football and then every other sport, it's that just scaled back, right? If you go three days, you know, I'm going to still use that same four-day model. I'm just going to bump the fourth day to the next week, right? So it might be like lower, upper, lower this week, upper, lower, upper next week. I'm just going to bump that fourth day um, to the next week. And it's the same, it's the same format that, that I discussed, um, regardless of sport, all that would change would necessarily be exercise selection, obviously, um, and then hard decks, right? Like, at what point am I? At what point am I pulling the plug? If it's a women's soccer, and I, I haven't seen them in three months, obviously, you know, on our heavy lower day, we're we're it's a quick trigger, right? Like, we're we're just 
just give me, you know, five sets of quality, five reps, and, you know, let's add a little bit of weight. But really, we're trying to get back in the swing of things. And then if it's football and this is our 12th week and, you know, go get it, big dog. <laughs> you know, if it looks good and it's flying right, let's cook, you know. Absolutely. And, Coach, I love the conjugate system. Uh, I made the big switch over this past year because I've done the linear progression from, you know, whatever. Uh, I began and, and, you know, done it that way. Uh, and it's still kind of that same linear progress as well, right? We decrease the amount of reps and uh, whatever so we can increase our intensities and whatnot. But what I do like from you is that, you know, we're using the percentage as a almost like a guide. He's saying, okay, here is your floor. If it's 80%, cool. If it's your ceiling, cool. But we're at least here. We're, we're somewhere in this ballpark. And, you know, in about six weeks, five, six weeks, kids will get stronger, and especially, like, guys. You know, they're 13, 14 years old. Testosterone's a hell of a drug. I mean, they're going to live more. They're going to live heavier in about six weeks. So if we tell them, like, look, if 280 on your back squat, that's your floor. Whatever your ceiling is, it needs to be crisp, it needs to be perfect, and it needs to be flawless. If, yeah. if you got those three things, Let's go. go for it. Go. Yeah. And that's, that's where, like, your, your better, your more mature athlete, they'll, you know, they'll figure out what's going on. Like, they'll ask questions. Like, they'll know. I have guys that know, you know, based off of what, ballpark percentage what velocities they should be hitting without me even telling them you know um and they'll coach each other up like no that's too slow you know take a little bit of weight off i mean i i usually tell them if it's if it's way too if assuming you're trying your hardest right because like if i could go in i could i could go over and lift the bar 0.3 meters per second right now if i want to right like you got to be if you're really trying to uh, move the bar, if it's way too slow, you got to take weight off. If it's just a little too slow, try harder. You know, and uh, but they'll coach each other up, man, and they'll compete. They'll get after. And like I said, that's the luxury of having tendos. You know, I mean, I ran the same system. Uh, we just we uh, before without DVT at the high school level, and uh, you know, it's eyeball test. You know, and I don't have tendos for every rack too. So, so for some of the kids, it's still eyeball test. But like, you know, um, those are your younger athletes that really it's just qualitative at that point, right? Like, just do the exercise right with some bar speed. If it's not the exact speed, you know, it's not the end of the world. And then my, you know, my connoisseurs, my senior football players, like, yeah, man, it needs to be this speed. At this weight with this, you know, we, we do use accommodating resistance, you know, um, and I have a, a little crane scale and I measure all the bands and I have a good set of bands that, um, you know, you get electrocuted if you touch. <laughs> and then I have an old set of bands that, you know, you can use to stretch with and, and warm up with stuff like that. But uh, yeah, man. And even on like dynamic effort days, I've gotten to where we are mostly using that for like unilateral strength. So instead of, you know, basketball, you go front rack reverse lunges or, um, you know, we'll go 
maybe a little bit heavier on the dumbbell, single arm, incline bench press or something uh, for our dynamic effort days just because, you know, it's sub-maximal. So we might as well go ahead and train it while, you know, it's there. And higher, in the, was it, the motor unit is uh, higher. The motor recruitment is higher for unilateral you know, exercises. So, you know, right. be a good day to, you know, knock them out. That's where, too, you, you made me think of, because I had said I, that we didn't do any traditional conditioning um, in the winter. Um, most of all of our movement is um, speed and acceleration, deceleration based. But we do do um, forward, backward, lateral sled walks. We have like turf right outside of our weight room. And so I have about 10 sleds that just sit out there with anywhere between one and three plates. And like, I'll program that into the auxiliary exercises. So, you know, uh, they'll have, they'll have to hit a certain amount of yardage. So, you know, you do your, whatever we're doing that day, you do your squats, you do your lunges, you do this and that, and then go outside and hit your 600 yards or whatever it is that day on, on the sled walk, you know, and that's in January, that's accomplishing a number of different things, man. Like, first of all, they are out of breath. You know, if you've ever like got after that, you're out of breath, you know, they're out of breath. And that's the, all the conditioning they really need, in my opinion, that far out from their sport. But I'm also getting some hypertrophy on the glutes and the hamstrings and, and honestly, low key, like developing their feet and ankles. Because before we started really doing a lot of sled work and, and heavily, relatively heavy weighted sled work. We had, in my opinion, too many lower leg, specifically feet injuries and knock on wood. And, you know, it's always a bit of luck, but like this year after um, a lot of sled walking and all of that, you know, I was in our, our foot injuries and ankle injuries and stuff like that. But walk with a sled and tell me that, you, you know, the arches of your feet aren't sore and, and all of that. So that is our conditioning right when we come back January, February down here. And I want to kind of circle back around to the VPT. You know, it's, it's nice to have those technologies so you know specifically what range they're in and how fast they are actually moving the bar. But sometimes, you know, especially at the high school level, I mean, you got to take the eye test, man. You got to look to see. It's like I, I can tell the difference between if a kid is straining, right, they're yeah. actually – you know, this is something heavy, like on the RPE scale, that this is like an eight or nine compared right. to like a three or four. You know, right. that, you know, sometimes you got to take the eye test. Well, and obviously, like if it looks crappy, like the, well, the number on the unit goes out the window, right? Like we got to fix this. Like you're, you're in harm's way at this point. I don't care that it's moving the right velocity or the wrong velocity. Like we don't fix this doesn't matter you know so like you said i test for qualitative you know absolutely uh let's go ahead and start wrapping some things up here so i love this last segment is conjugate coach spotlight so is there any coach out there that you want to highlight or uh shout out yeah so uh man if you, you and this guy he's pretty active on social media so you know I, I think I always laugh and this is maybe this is maybe me being the old the old guy that hiked uphill 
miles through the snow, right? But like in in my day, like strength coaches got famous by uh, you know being this guy's a great strength coach. I'm not saying he's not, but you know my point being social media. If you're big on social media these days, you're a celebrity. And so I've, I know a lot of people have been like, oh, you know, like you know him. I'm like, yeah, man. Actually, uh, we worked together a long time ago. But Brett Huth. He's the head guy at Texas State right now. He came from Incarnate Word, um, H-U-T-H. And a lot of people, uh, you know, follow him on social media and stuff like that. But you want to talk about, uh, in my opinion, like tough to find someone better than him um, in terms of what he does and uh, his grasp of it and and all of that. So, yeah, a good buddy of mine, too. Awesome, Coach. Uh, I always love shouting out people on this podcast just because one, it helps the field, right? It yeah. always helps to kind of, um, you know, push someone along to uh, have to better our field here. But also, you know, it's um, that's the point of this podcast as well is you know is to is to highlight the good and in our in the field and highlight people because that's what this field is made of. It's made of of good people and it can be made of of good people. So. Awesome job, Coach. Um, yeah. I lost my train of thought <laughs> for a moment. Um, Scott, I want to thank, Coach, I want to thank you again for being on the podcast and dropping a lot of knowledge uh, for this past hour, hour 10, about, you know, just different aspects of, you know, life and buy-in and even getting to talk about everyone's favorite, uh, favorite system, you know, the conjugate system. Um, it's been it's awesome, man. I appreciate that, man. Like I said, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this stuff. I've been on actually quite a few podcasts, but this is the first one specifically talking about the stuff that we talked about. You know, like I said, it's normally, uh, you know, how do you get a 40 faster? Or how do you this or that? man? but talk the nitty gritty of high school scene and, and programming and logistics and all that, man. So I'm really grateful this opportunity and uh, a big fan of your work um, and all that so i appreciate that coach well that's another episode of the conjugate chats please follow our social medias at conjugate chat podcast on tiktok and twitter x twitter x one or the other uh stay strong and have a day today